We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome to another episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, the Bearcast. We're back after another week hiatus. We're taking it slow. We're, we're ta- definitely taking it slow just because... Just because. <laughs> I don't think there's any other reason. I, I think we're getting to the point in the season where it's... In, bo- in f- basketball season where we don't need to talk about every week. Nor hasn't there been any big football news. There's no reason to talk about that Stanford basketball game. No. And there's still no reason. And there's still no reason to talk about that Oregon game. There's What? Well, we will talk about the Oregon game, but I, I don't want to talk about it at the same time. I, I don't know why I did that to myself, but I watched the last four minutes of the game over again because I recorded it on my DVR. Mm. Probably the worst decision in my life. But Please. yet I did it just <laughs> just because I wanted to get like a, a view of the game from like the TV. Did the ball touch the rim? I think it did. But I, I, I also put an asterisk next to it just because I feel like I think that's just the homerism in me where I kind of where I think I saw it hit the rim. But if the there wasn't enough to overturn it, hmm. that's that I think that's they went by the rules. If there's not enough to overturn it, you have to keep it with the call on the floor. So they went with the call on the floor, which we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, let us begin with uh, some interesting news to start. Is a uh, Cal's Overwatch. Team uh, won the TESPA Collegiate Series. They beat the University of Toronto in a sweep, 3-0. So, um, congratulations to the team. I, I highly doubt they're listening to this, but uh, so they uh, beat beat Rutgers in the semifinals. Beat University of Toronto the championship round. They took they took a good chunk of the hundred thousand dollar prize pool. Wow, it's very impressive. Did we also do something impressive with StarCraft? We did. We've done something impressive with StarCraft. We've also done something very impressive with Heroes of the Storm. Um, I don't know about LOL or Dota if we've if we've actually won anything, um, but we've won Heroes. We won Heroes of the Storm, which is the collegiate tournament for the game Heroes of the Storm. That's a cool play on words. Uh, but yeah, I remember that they showed that on ESPN. I was in New York uh, two years ago in the spring, and they were. I was just at home with my buddies and, or at their place, and we were just eating dinner, and we turned on the TV, and lo and behold, on ESPN, it's they're playing those games. And I was like, oh, wow, Cal's playing. Oh, wow, we should watch this. Oh, wow, we won. <laughs> so, but yes, congratulations to the team. Uh, it's, it's crazy because these guys literally just form a team amongst themselves, right? It's not like, you know, uh, like an athletics program where you're, like, recruited to play. It's just... Cal guys that are at the school decide to make a team. I don't know how the auditions are like, you know, maybe there was a tryout or whatnot, but how that worked. But they did that. They represented the school. They went out and they won a big chunk of $100,000. So are they on, do they get any level of scholarship or anything like that? I know Heroes of the Dorm did. Um, mm-hmm. I know that team, it was, it was a year's worth of tuition, I believe. Uh, but the, it was just, uh, I know a lot of people had questions because there were a couple of seniors on that team. So they're like, so how does that work? Like if you're a, if you're a senior, are you just getting reimbursed for a year's worth of tuition? Hmm. Or like, you know, how, how does, 
how does that work out? But I don't know what the it might have just been a cash prize. How does this all work with them? So didn't Under Armour agree to the Under Armour deal covered esports, correct? I believe so, but it hasn't kicked in yet. Hmm. Right. That doesn't. That deal doesn't kick in. I believe July first or so June. Then 1st. they're going to be like fitted. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be. Yeah, they're going to be wearing the the ultra armor uh, Under Armour fitted T shirts that you know say Cal. Got to wear my heat gear to go <laughs> sit indoors and play video games. <laughs> That's the life. That's the life. That's the real life. Keeps me cool under pressure. Under Armour. <laughs> While he drenches himself in Gatorade <laughs> out of his out of his Gatorade bottle at halftime. Yeah, I mean, that's impressive. It's impressive, to say the least. At least we're winning in some sports, right? Agreed. Well, we, we, <laughs> we, we do a lot of really things well, like with swimming and... Olympic yeah, sports, like, we're very good yeah, at. Yeah, Olympic sports. Olympic sports in general. Rowing, really our crew, crew, I should say. <laughs> uh, swimming and diving, men's and women's water polo. Gymnastics actually isn't that bad either. Cal tennis is ranked number four, men's tennis. Again, women's tennis last year was just incredible from what I remember, mm-hmm. too. They were undefeated at one point. Um, so, and I don't mean undefeated by like, oh, they they won their first two games of the season. Like they, they won, I think, like their first seven or eight like straight matchups, which is incredible. Absolutely stunning. Um, but there you have it. Um, I, would, I would read you their names, but I do not know how to read like game IDs. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, on, on PlayStation Network or, or things like that. Like, guys have their gaming ID names. Yeah. But it's like you put numbers in it. You have, like, uppercase, lowercase, and, like, you spell things out differently. And CalBear07. <laughs> yes. yes, that's, that's yes. mine. Very difficult to read that one. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's just one of those. But, yeah, um, that was a really cool thing of note that happened this last week. It's awesome. All right, moving on. Um our coaching staff is finally hired. Football, not basketball. Basketball's already been there, but football, yes. Wait, totally? Yeah. What about running backs? So that's the question. So, so is that wait? That's dependent upon that additional. I think that's what they're doing. Line? I think they're just waiting on. Well, let, I guess we'll start with that running backs news. Is Coach Ron Gould is now the running backs coach out at Stanford? We had to start there, huh? We had to start. Th- I mean, you brought a running backs coach. <laughs> uh, you know what I? I look back at, at, you know how both of us really wanted Gould to be the running backs coach. But I look back at it and I go, as much as I wanted Gould to be the running backs coach, philosophical-wise, like, or, like, just from a mentality standpoint, his method of teaching or, like, what he wants his running backs to do probably won't fit with the offense that we'll be running next year, in my opinion. I think it fits better with what they're doing over on the farm on the south side. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. It sucks, but I'm okay with it. It's pretty devastating, I'd say. He's a, yeah, he's a great coach. I don't know. It didn't, like, I felt more happy that he he landed on his feet than anything. Yeah. So I didn't, I wasn't met with, like, anger or anything like that. But I was pretty bummed in that it would have been cool to see him come back to Cal again. But it is really hard to expect somebody like that who's then left and moved on to then come back. And you bring up a good point. Like, I think it would have worked. I mean, um, we had some weird gimmicky style of offense. Like, Andy Ludwig didn't run a traditional offense. Yeah. And, um, you know, Gould was able to make it work within that. Uh, it's interesting. I, I was thinking back more about the recruits we had. So, you know, I'm friends with a lot of these guys on LinkedIn because I yeah. worked with the team. So, like, Kovon Dabosky. Yeah. Desarte Yarnway. Um, these guys that just never materialized at all. And then you have EC, like Sofele, who, you know, was super undersized. And it was very clear when we had him on the team. We didn't really understand, like, how we are going to use him when he first arrived. First, we thought we might slot him at receiver. And then we realized he had pretty bad hands. And Tedford was working on him on these like basic drills just and the, then, catching the swing passes yeah and then <laughs> and then we moved him to running back and he had all that success so it was almost like later in his career he actually did didn't do well with the higher star recruits but he did find like he was able to continue that tradition like with with like Alasco but you know I, I don't know so anyways it was an interesting period of reflection and going back in the 
seeing the work, the body of work that later, like we always know, we know the big names for set. Yeah. Like, and CJ, I guess too, is kind of like under the radar. That was very interesting. The big thing for me with Gould is that you just got to look back and not just look at the guys that succeeded, whether it was at Cal or in the league, but you look at, you look at all the running backs he brought in as a whole and look at their high school tape and just go, wow, if, if some of those guys had just developed properly here, and that's not, that's not on Gould, like in my opinion. I think Gould coached the best of his ability. There, there comes a point where a player's ability is, you know, it's going to plateau too. You know, they're, they're, not every single player is going to be the next Marshawn, right? So I thought that for a while. <laughs> Anytime we brought in the running back, like, hey, this guy's going to be the new Marshawn. This is the new J.J. Arrington. But yeah, I mean, life doesn't work out that way with 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 just with everything in general. So I, I look at that and I looked at all the recruits that he brought in, and I looked at their high school tape, and I go, we brought in some highly talented guys from top to bottom, regardless of whether they played or not. Man, the the just the con- continual just pipeline of solid high school running backs we brought in was incredible during that time period. True. So sucks. But new era, got to move on, um, even though we our head coach is from the previous era. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, so we hired an inside linebackers coach. Um, so now we have two Coach Tuies. So I figured, so his name is Tony Tuiotti. So I'm thinking we, we nickname him Coach Tony, and then Coach Marcus Tuisasopo, we'll just call him Coach Tui. We could also call Coach Tony T squared. He's <laughs> Tony Tony one and Tony two, or two e one and two e two. Yeah, we could do two e squared too. <laughs> two e yeah. squared. That's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> two e squared. Uh, yeah. All right. Either way, enough of the names. Uh, but yeah, so this was this was a weird hire, just because. All right, so he is our inside linebackers coach, which means that he's not doing all the linebackers. Right. right, which means outside linebackers will probably be Wilcox or DeRoyder. Like, I would just, just under the assumption, right? They haven't really come out and said it. Mm-hmm. And then running backs, since this is this is the ninth head coach or ninth um, assistant coach, which means running backs will probably be either Ragel or Bo Baldwin, hmm. right? I, yeah. would, I would just assume. Isn't Ragel already doing tight ends? He's tight ends and special teams. That'd be a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess Bo Baldwin for now. Bo Baldwin makes the most sense since like we have what a quarterback. Tony Franklin did, huh? Yeah, maybe Tuisa Sopo runs the quarterbacks and the running backs together. Could be, but yeah, I don't see that happening either. Well, I, I, they haven't announced how they're going to position that off, but Coach Wilcox apparently did say that they're working within their own ranks to try and figure out how they're going to balance this. And I, it's it's common sense that they're going to keep an eye out on that tenth assistant rule, and then come April when they when the NCAA meets and agrees everyone can hire 10th assistant, I'm sure we're going to get that hired right away and we'll get that 10th assistant in. So we'll have probably a a 10th or either a running backs coach, right? It has to be a running backs coach, a running backs coach in probably for the fall. Yeah. So, yeah, but this was, this was a weird hire because he, he had literally just signed his contract to be the D-line coach at Fresno State, of course, under Tedford. But then now he is the outside linebackers coach here at Cal. But right before he signed his deal with Fresno State, he was uh, at Michigan under Harbaugh for a year. And he was the director of recruiting, I believe. Player personnel. Uh, well, it said the the head of the recruiting department. Oh. So is, does that does that mean does that player personnel? I don't or know. is that a special? But I mean. Here's a little official statement by Cal uh, on him. It says, During his one season at Michigan in, in 2016, Tuiati filled the role of head of the recruiting department for a team that finished 10-3 mm-hmm. overall, ranked number 10 nationally. He was instrumental in hosting recruiting visits for many of the nation's top recruits and helping to secure several commitments, including each of the top six ranked in-state recruits as part of the 2017 class that ranked as high as number three nationally, according to Scout. Wow. Um, I also believe, uh, let me just read you some of his past experience, and then we'll go on from there. Uh, he was a grad assistant at Hawaii. He was the head coach at Kalaheo High School in Hawaii. 
the defensive coordinator at Silverado High School, then the director of player personnel at Hawaii, then the defensive tackles coach at Hawaii, then the linebackers coach at Hawaii, then the defensive quality control coach for the Browns in, uh, in 14-15, and then Michigan last year, and then Fresno State just a couple months ago. Jumps around quite a bit. Yeah. I hope maybe this is the place he stays at just because of his role. Maybe he grows into all of the linebackers and then maybe one of these young defensive coaches that we hired becomes our head coach once or our defensive coordinator once DeRoyder moves on, which I'm assuming he will at some point. So I look at that and I go, that's that's home run. In I mean, not home run in terms of like we didn't get like a Tosh type. That It's not that, but what we expected of that role Get a linebackers coach who's young, recruits hard, and just can have an area of expertise, like a state of expertise, which is how Wilcox has pretty much filled out the staff, right? Each position coach is pretty much like knows one area solidly. Ragel knows Arizona. Um, what's it? Nick Edwards knows Washington. So does um, Gerald Alexander knows Washington as well. And then now you got... Um, Coach Tony, who spent all those years in Hawaii, and apparently he's well respected in the Hawaii high school football ranks. So you got a guy like that who can probably lock down Hawaii for us. Then up and and then Wilcox, of course, California. So you got up and down this coast, the West Coast, just on lockdown. Yeah. In terms of one head or one like great recruiter in each state, basically. So it's awesome. <laughs> It's really great. You're right. It's exactly what we looked. We wanted. We wanted a coach. We wanted a bunch of coaches that could recruit. Yeah, it's, we definitely have that. Yeah, even among the senior coaches, like great, like Greatwood is still a dynamic recruiter. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. I'm not. We're not even talking about Azanari or Greatwood and any of those guys either. And those guys probably know Oregon like the back of their hand. Yeah, we have like every state covered. <laughs> the West Coast. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty crazy. Probably Nevada might be the only one that I think. We don't have any connections no, to, but to Reuter, wasn't he the head coach at Nevada? Wait, no, no, we have someone from Nevada. We do. I will take a look. Uh, but yeah, let me just. So we got a little chart oh, from Nam. We have a little chart that Nam put together for rivals, and he also sent it along to me just to be nice. Um, but here's some cool little. Yeah, to Reuter, Nevada. To Reuter, Nevada. In the okay. chart. Oh, in the chart. Okay. Um. So yeah, let's just talk about this chart for a little bit, Andy. Um. Nam just put some averages out. So this is from Dykes' initial staff versus Wilcox's initial staff. So Dykes' initial staff includes Dykes, Franklin, Yenser, Ingram, Likens, Tomerdahl, Sachs, Saturay, Stewart, and Boo. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the initial staff that he brought when he was first hired here. Their average time on the West Coast was 8.5 years. Their average time on the West Coast for the offensive side of the ball was 2.16 and their average time on the West Coast on the defensive side is 18 years. That's what baffles me. 18 years of West Coast defensive experience versus Wilcox's staff right now, which is an average of 10.6 years on the West Coast, 14.6 for the offensive side, and 6.6 years on the defensive side. Yet, yet, most fans are more excited about this defensive staff than they were about Dyson's defensive staff, which is... Which tells you how bad of like how deep and dark of a place we were at. <laughs> if we're looking at this staff and we're going, I mean, I love this staff, but it's just in terms of years' experience here on the West Coast, they're not as strong as the team or the guys we had before. There's significant. Well, so it is like Sachs, twenty-two years, and then Stewart. 32 years are really weighting that heavily. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and it's very, also very interesting to see that the offense was, you know, no years of experience, yeah. and then they saw a ton of success. Mm-hmm. But then the defense, they had the flip. They had all the experience and very little success. Yeah. So I'm hyped. Are you hyped about us how do you look at look if you look at the staff as a whole? Now that we have the full staff, are you excited about the staff, or you do you have are you bottling up your expectations a little bit? Like what what's going through your mind looking at the staff from top to bottom? Uh, 
I am always optimistic and way overly optimistic. You and I both. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a fault. <laughs> to, to a fault. <laughs> I think outside of maybe landing a like Jimmy Lake as the D coordinator, I, if we had done that, I'd throw it in the A A minus category. Right now, I think it sits solidly at a B plus for me. Um, every hire I've been impressed with. There hasn't been a hire where I've been like hand. <laughs> It's like, and, what? Yeah. What? Like, who, why? Um, and I honestly, I, this is very qualitative and dangerous, but I feel that I've been, you know, maybe it's because I've been on Twitter this year, but I've been hearing more about us making offers. Like, I see Gorsi tweeting right. more about offers that are out yeah. than I have in the past. Yeah. And they're like, really seem to be making headway. Um, we used to get, we got some early commits last year, mm-hmm. which was nice, but they seem to be like very active, uh, at least on, I mean, even coach Tui, the original, <laughs> yeah, the original was, you know, posting that picture up on Memorial stadium yesterday and he should dude, it's the middle of February and it's sunny and gorgeous. There's not a cloud in the sky. And yeah. It was that one beautiful. day that was beautiful yeah. compared to the last, I don't know how many weeks not like this everywhere else <laughs> it's not so yeah i'm stoked with one the final staff but i'm also stoked with the activity that's come because of it uh they seem to be all be very active and i also noticed we hired that uh almost like a grad assistant to help out with greatwood who was previously working with greatwood yeah. that he was sticking home working on strength and conditioning or something like that yeah when greatwood was out recruiting yeah. which i thought was a nice Dynamic, yeah. So you can start to see that the players have someone that's guiding them, while Greatwood can be out and working on the recruiting trail. So I, it, it feels like every position coach knows how to coach. You know, like it feels like they didn't. They're not. They're not like just leaving one side of their entire coaching job off. Like if they're recruiting, then they're then the players will figure out how to work out themselves, right? Or if they're coaching, then they're saying, all right, recruits will come talk to me if they need to. Like, it, it feels like they're not just shutting off one side of it. It's they're consistently working on both. And that has to be, especially if you're a new staff, too. You know, you got to connect with all your players, especially the guys that have been here, not the not the, the, not the young guys, because they'll, they'll grow with you. But it's the, the juniors and the seniors and maybe the, the, the redshirt sophomores, too, where you kind of have to... Uh, you kind of have to sell what you're you, you kind of have to make sure they're buying what you're selling right like they have to buy into how you're going to coach them what you want them to do on the field um and because it's going to be a huge change from what they've been doing before but i mean evan rambo tweeted out the other day we got the best like our coaching staff we got the best coaching staff or he, he tweeted out something like that really yeah um so I like when players get hyped. It gets me excited. Yeah, yeah. So while you look up that tweet, um, since we're on the topic of recruiting, uh, we actually have. It's crazy to me that they're throwing out offers. I'm not. I'm not saying that they're throwing out offers, offers left and right, but they're throwing out offers to a lot of Bay Area local kids, and they're going after the best guys on the West Coast. Um, and they're that's 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 where they're hitting hard which is why we already have an official visit from four-star Matter Day offensive tackle Tommy Brown. He's the number one offensive tackle in the state. Um, and I believe he is also, uh, he stands he stands 6'7", weighs 310, 247 sports, ranks him as the best offensive tackle in the state, eighth best in the nation, and 10th best California prospect. And he's a 77th ranked prospect in the country. Um. And then a little interesting tidbit here is Brown, uh, Tommy Brown works out with uh, Jesse Sapolu, who's the four-time Super Bowl champion with the Niners. Mm. And he holds offers. So Brown holds offers from Oregon, Arizona State, Auburn, Florida, Michigan, UCLA, Utah, Vanderbilt, Washington State, and more. And yet he's spending one of his five official visits with us, who we just started going after. That already, for me, tells that you're recruiting as a um, already amazing right that the coach got into that room with the parents or the kid and was convincing enough and was i guess connecting enough with the student and or the recruit and the parents to get him to come visit this place already and that 
we're not we just started. So where do you rank your where would you grade out the staff? It's it's it tinkers between a B plus and an A minus. Um, the only I think I think for me, I would put it at an A depending on how this re- recruiting cycle plays out. Because that was the big issue for me is that we got this staff in way too late. So we couldn't see them actually work their magic in this past recruiting cycle. And Wilcox did his best to get in guys that he wanted, which is why, you know, he got the guys like Ben Moose and Gavin Reinwald, like the just get a couple more tight ends just to, to fill out the depth. And he kept most of the staff or most of the recruits intact too, right? He kept the, the big name guys like Tariq Johnson. Um, he didn't even have to do anything, but he ended up with a four-star safety in Elijah Hicks. So <laughs> I think... Yeah, so that's that's the asterisk for me. If if we got to see that whole recruiting cycle happen, and then you know, let's say let's say we got this entire staff in a month or two before, and this is the only this recruiting class is the same recruiting class that we got, then I'd put it at a B because I really think that this coaching staff can recruit very very well, hmm. and I put that. That's why I highly respect this coaching staff to go out and get great players for the school. Um, so that's why I'm waiting uh, to see if this this ends up being an A plus. I don't think I even have to see them like coach, just in terms of the coaching staff and who we got. That B plus to A minus will tinker between how they do the 2018 class. So where does that put your season expectation? See, if, you had, if you had today, like no spring practices, right. like you can right, right. kind of put an asterisk on it. It's. I, I don't want to keep putting excuses on it, but it is tough just knowing our schedule for this year because our schedule for this year is extremely difficult. Um, yeah, that's not going to change. Yeah, that, that's not going to change I feel much. Like that's just how it's been. Yeah. But, man, depending on how the quarterback roles play out, I, I definitely – six wins or more would be an A for me. Yeah. If you get to six wins, you're at an A, right? If you I've, go, if you blow past six, that's just kaboom. But if if you <laughs> if you get somewhere between the three to six range, that's still a solid B for me. Hmm. Like I I don't think it's a it's a major drop off. Like if you get like you know three wins or or four wins, like for me that's that's not like F. You know, it's I, I think it's we're still a work in progress. That just if we get that far with six wins or more, or you know, so somewhere in that range, six wins plus or minus three, then we're in that. I'm in that mentality of, damn, these guys can coach really well. <laughs> I'd take four, if and only if we beat Stanford or SC or any California school. I'll take a win over LA too. If I, I UCLA. I'll take a win out of any of those three. UCLA is not surprising to me because Jim Moore is not a good coach. Right. So if we somehow pull off the upset against those three teams or one of those two teams. like I'll take a loss, fine, but it has to be like a a very close game. Yeah, we lost on like a game-winning field goal or something like that from like 50 yards out. Competitive. Yeah. I want a competitive football game against one of those two schools. Yeah. That's the thing that we never saw under Sunny. No. When we were a underdog to those schools every single year. We never we, played we, as an underdog either. No, we didn't play competitively, maybe outside of SC when we had Goff in this last year. That's it. Right, when we played up here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was actually a really close game. Yep. If only Hardy been able to tackle that guy. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, yeah, that's good. That's good, six wins. Yeah. I, w- I would like more. <laughs> <laughs> Really would. I would like twelve wins, please. I just don't know the quarterback. If we had a quarterback in that we had seen, right, then I'd think I'd be more comfortable saying like, Oh, this team could really rally and do well. But, but we don't have that. we don't have anyone there, so it's like, well, as much as like experience we have on the like O line, running backs and then wide receiver core, it's really hard to imagine who's gonna be distributing the ball right now. Yeah. It's I mean a mystery. Front runner has to be Ross Bowers, right? Regardless of Regardless of the fact that he didn't throw a single ball, but he handed the ball off about four or five times, um, I, he has to be the front runner, in my opinion. Unless one of the other guys blows him out of the water like a Gilliam Revere Montes, or I don't think Chase Forrest is in the running. I think he's in the running for the backup spot. I think he's a solid, solid guy to have as your backup. But 
Um, yeah, if, unless any of those guys just blows everyone. Unless and then who knows? Maybe Chase Garbers comes in in the fall and just is like, "This is my job." <laughs> then, then that throws in a terror wrench in the whole recruiting thing too, right? If you have to start a true freshman quarterback, then it's going to be so hard to sell to the younger guys. Um, like Adrian Martinez coming in in 2018, and I really, really like that kid. So does Nam. Just judging from his tape. That's going to be a hard sell to him, whereas Spavril just offered him from West Virginia. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Spavril's like, come on down, Adrian. You can start right away when you come to West Virginia. So, yeah, uh, that's going to be fun to watch. I, they actually, uh, I don't know if we talked about this on the last pod, but they changed the spring football schedule. So there's only three practices that are open. Three, I believe it's three open practices and then spring ball. Spring ball is on the 25th which is a Saturday. Are we doing an actual game? I believe so. I believe it's an actual game. It's not running through like a day practice like hmm. they did a couple years, two years ago. Yeah. They didn't do that last year. Last year it was an actual game. So yeah, there's that. But um, just some extra football news for people to know is spring game is on the 25th, which is, or is it the 25th or the 24th? Uh, we'll, get, we'll get that date back to you, but um, there's that. But in the morning on that day, on that same day, it's pro day. So if you want to come out to see Chad Hansen, uh, Davis Webb, and all those guys run the drills, uh, plus probably all the, all the seniors too, right? Like Patrick Borstel, Bob Rivera, uh, Devontae Wilson, all those guys, Kyrie Vanderbilt, Kyrie Vanderbilt um, probably Cam Walker as well, I'd assume. I'd assume he's yeah. So... And it looks like Zach Klein might actually be uh, running the pro day at Cal with the Bears too. So really, yeah, I saw his Instagram post, and it's all of him throwing and stuff and, and warming up with the hashtag Pro Day at Memorial Stadium. So yeah, I mean it, it's fun. It's I've been two years in a row now, and it's it's actually pretty fun to see. Just April twenty second. April twenty second is the spring game. Yeah. So there you have it. Yep. Yeah. I'll be gone. April 22nd. All right. So, yeah, it's it's exciting. It'll be very exciting to see all that happen. Uh, any? Uh, did, we ha- did I miss any other football stories? Uh, oh, actually, I did miss a football story. Um, it seems like the roster is slowly uh, being updated. Football roster for the spring. So on the actual website. So like guys that aren't part of the football team are, are slowly being deleted from the roster. Anyone, no, anyone notable? Um, so here's, let me just read you from our article. Um, and here's just some updates. Three early enrollees, cornerback Elijah Hicks, wide receiver Tariq Johnson, defensive lineman Gabe Cherry, Juco enrollee Alex Funches, the defensive lineman, gray shirt scholarship, Daniel Juarez is now on campus. And... A uh, preferred walk-on, I believe, uh, Antioch kicker-punter Christian Rodriguez is on the team as well. So, and here's a list of players that Cal is losing from last year due to non-graduation matters. Offensive, offense, wow, I can't talk. Offensive tackle Aaron Cochran has been granted transfer. Jack Austin graduated with a year um, left left with eligibility. Hmm. Uh, Defensive back Antoine Albert is also out. He didn't register any stats that count in 2016. but he isn't on the roster. So, also defensive end Kennedy Emis Emis I can't say Kennedy's name. Emisibi Emisibi. Oh God, I'm butchering it so much. <laughs> Hasn't played any significant time. Also looks like he left the program. Whoa. Uh, offensive lineman Vinny Johnson appears to be out. Spent much of his career as a backup tackle. Never seen snaps, but yeah, so he's not there. Also defensive tackle Chris Yagi. Yagi burned his redshirt mid October. Um, didn't see any major contributions his freshman season. It appears that he'll not be with the team this spring. So there's that. So this is just this is just from the official roster on the website on hmm. calbears.com. And then we looked up, you know, I believe some of them are actually I can't remember who it is, but I think one or two. Oh, Benji Benji Palu, Benji Palu, I believe is uh, is it Benji? I think it's Benji. He's playing rugby now, but I think he's also like. Like a pseudo grad assistant with the football team as well, so there is that. 
In- interesting, but there isn't anyone on there that outside of Cochran that really hurts. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people wanted to see Yagi because um, we were all afraid. I remember last year when we were sitting in the box, there were, when he first burned his red shirt, we're like, "Well, there there goes that one," because we all expected him to fully red shirt and then you know play start playing next season, right? But yeah, we lost there. He goes that. So defensive tackle wise, it's. I mean, if we're gonna run, if we're actually gonna run a four three, or a three four, mm-hmm. like we're or wait, we're switching to a three four, right? Correct. Yeah. So if we're gonna actually gonna run a three four, that defensive tackle, we need quite a bit of. Um, I don't know who's gonna fill in that slot because Looney is not a traditional nose tackle. I think Looney actually might benefit from being on the edge. I think instead of run stuffing, he can push either a right tackle or a left tackle just shove him backwards into the quarterback, and I think he could do some damage. Hmm. I think it'll be fun to watch if he moves out to the edge. I don't know if he will, but I always thought his skill set was, or his physical attributes was probably better on the edge. I'm excited he stayed. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's really good. He's a good player. Um, that's it. Uh, I guess one last bit of uh, football news is uh, Devin Asiasi, who was the number one tight end in last year's class, 2016 class, went to Michigan last year. He is officially transferring from Michigan. Harbaugh has now confirmed that he is transferring from Michigan. Uh, rumor has it that he wants to be closer to home. What better way to play closer to home than at Cal, who now runs with a tight end, and he is from De La Salle, which is right there in Concord. So, um, of course, SC and LA are going to be in the running as well, since they're technically considered close to home. And all, but the the thing that we have going for us is apparently Coach Tui was his main recruiter at UCLA, and now he's here, and we're closer to home, <laughs> and we need a starting tight end. So I don't know if he'll file for if he let wherever he goes. I don't know if he'll if he'll fi- file for a waiver, or if it's he'll just have to sit out a year. But regardless, if we can snag him, then my God. We we have a pretty outstanding guy at tight end for the next two three years. That'd be awesome. And think. there's also like Pagano, his name from Clemson. Clemson, yeah. But we didn't make his official visit list of five. Uh, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean he can't visit. Like he could still unofficially visit and then you know decide to come to Cal. But I think the big thing is if we're not even on the official visit list. But we were in the top seven. We were. I think we. I think he still has a top seven. I just don't know what about those. Like he didn't pick us out of the the five officials, so interesting, interesting. But yeah, we'll see how that pans out too, because he would be eligible to play immediately, and that would fill our defensive tackle slot. Yeah, very nicely. So yeah, that, that wraps it up for football talk. Uh, we are all good there. So moving on to some basketball. Yeah, <sighs> I got to sigh first. Just, just. I don't know. Should we work our way backwards or should we work from the front? Like, should we work from bad to good or good to bad? Good to bad. Good to bad? Yeah. Okay, let's work from good to bad. So we played Oregon State this past Saturday. Senior night. Someone was chopping a lot of onions in Hospital Pavilion. Um, I don't know who it was, but they were chopping some onions. There were tears everywhere? Tears everywhere. They're all um, Sam Singer, after the game, he was at the podium, and he said, you know, it took him, it took a lot for him to... To hold back the tears. Um, just some of the quotes from Sam Singer. Uh, he coached, He talked to Coach Monty that day, and he thanked him for take for taking a chance on at that who, at that point he was just a kid from Miami. Um, and he looks back at this time and he said, uh, "Like I can definitely see myself like having grown here. Like he sees how much he grew from being an 18 year old moving across the state to being a 21, 22 year old now." Uh, and then the feels, right? The feels of when they introduced all the seniors and they're all coming out and Jabari coming out at the very end with his dad, Carl Bird, who's, of course, a legend at Cal, one of the best shooters Cal's ever seen. So seeing that um, and then, you know, not a little part, I don't know if everyone else felt this, but a little part of me not having Jordan Matthews walking out with that class was kind of sad for me because I... I really liked that class that Monty brought in because that was the last class that Monty recruited. And then the following season, Conzo came in. Um, so 
I really, I really, really did like that class. Um, and to see them all gone now. Um, yeah, I think that the key moment for me, in terms of at least just emotion, was at the very end of the game, Konzo made sure that he took out the seniors one by one, or at least he tried to. Mm. At the very end, he took out Roger and, and um, Roger and Mingo like as a group, just because there wasn't enough timeouts left. But took out Jabari by himself, and took out Singer by himself, and you know he he worked down the line. Oh, that's awesome! But Singer on his way out, uh, right as he gets like you know where they they tap the thing to check into the game, he gets down and he kisses the floor before he walks off. And I was like, that's how you know like the the emotions of a kid, right? That just in that in that spur moment, like you just think of. Like, how much this place has meant to you. And for him to do that, just there with everyone, you know, standing ovation. Which, by the way, Haas was absolutely amazing. If you were in the crowd, props to you. Because standing ovation for every senior, regardless. You know, I know a lot of people talked trash about Mingo not being able to shoot this year. And, of course, Roger never fully getting, like, grasping his potential. And, you know, everyone gets mad at Sam sometimes for making a dumb decision. So, you know, there's, there's always criticisms. But at in that moment, as a senior walking off the court at their home court for the final time, every fan on their feet, clapping, cheering out loud, um, thanking them for what they did. And you said it was pretty full? It was. It was. I was I was very impressed at how full it was. Granted, it was a Friday night at 7, so it was, it was a pretty good time to get people in. Although, yeah, I'm always a fan of having senior day on the weekends, not on a Friday night. Just because I think it's better for, like, you know, what if your parents can't make it? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, if your parents, like, you know, thankfully, every most everyone had their parents there. But, you know, if you had it on a Sunday, like, it's easier for a lot of parents to, you know, make a trip across the country, you know, to come out to see their kid play for the final time and to walk out on the court with them. But, yeah, I mean, all the parents were there. Uh, one little thing that I've never seen Cal do, but the first time they did it was they thanked all the senior managers, too. So the the video the video coordinator the like two other managers on the team, oh wow, walked out with their families and they gave them the flowers and everything like that too. That's pretty cool. So I thought that was a really nice moment that they did. Like they and the the entire team formed a little like little walkway, and you know they they didn't just cheer on the the team guys. They cheered on all the managers too, like high fiving them, slapping on the back, and all that. And um, I think that I thought that was a really nice thing that they did. Because they realize, you know, they're seniors too. They invested just probably not as much like blood and sweat into the team, but you know, just as probably just as much time, if not more. Just because if you're like a video guy, you're probably watching and taping and doing a lot more stuff. So yeah, it was a really nice moment. So who spoke at the podium after? Was did you get to talk to Jabari? I did not get to talk to Jabari. It was Sam and Ivan. Gosh, Sam and Ivan. Did people ask Ivan? People did ask Ivan, and Ivan said he's not sure what the future holds. He's not sure whether he's going to stay or leave. He's but, gone. Yeah, but he said <laughs> he's he's leaving. He said he made sure to take in like everything. You know, he took his time when you know how at the game when we win or lose, the players walk around the court high fiving all the, the uh, students. Yeah, he said he took his time, like took it all in. You know, he stopped by with some kids sitting, like, right where the donor section is. And, he, you know, he took some selfies with some of the little little um, elementary school kids that were there asking him for a photograph. And he definitely he definitely took his time. Yeah. That's for sure, uh, regardless of whether he decides to jump ship to the NBA or not. So so we won that game. We dominated that game. from the, At the beginning, I was like, oh, God, no. Maybe this is – are we not out of the funk yet? Because we were – we're down. We're down by like nine at one point to start the game, and then we just increased the lead to sixteen at half, and then we blew it wide open to like thirty-two, and then from there on it was it was they weren't coming back. So we played outstanding. Charlie was amazing. His decision making was on point. Threw some amazing alley oops to to Ivan. Ivan dominated the boards and dominated from um, on the blocks. Along with Cam and King actually took, like, I think he was the leading shot taker at, the at like, the first 10 minutes of the game. He took, like, six shots in the first 10 minutes. Hmm. Um, and he was just open, so he took them. But he made one of them. But, and then, the, 
Also, the crazy part is we didn't make a single three in the first half. We only made we only made two threes, and we won the game. That's what baffled me is we won by not shooting threes. What? And we scored forty six points in the paint. Wow. Oregon State scored forty six total. If we're doing that every game, we're winning every game. Yeah. Because the, the outside shooting is going to come and go, right? But if you can consistently dominate inside and get that many shots inside and score that many points inside and get to the foul line 18 times and score 11 of them, we're in a good spot. Yeah. We're in a great spot. So I saw this, I saw this win as, okay, we're playing against a pretty bad team, but, man, if this is how we can play, we can really do some damage. Because Ivan was just on point. Seems like we can do damage against anyone that is not in the top four of the conference. <laughs> or top 15 in the, in the country, too. Yeah. All right, let's go talk about the uh, the other one. The heartbreak? Yeah, the heartbreak. The nightmare that I never want to talk about ever again? Yes, that one. All right, can I, can I ask you this question? I know we, we talked about this via, while we were texting each other, but what's worse... This Oregon State come Oregon comeback loss or Hail Mary at Arizona uh was it like three mm-hmm. three years ago, four years yeah. ago now? What's worse? So I had some time to reflect on this one. Okay. <laughs> and I did end up arriving at the same place that I was when we first talked about it. I think the Hail Mary at Arizona was worse. Um I mean I, I wasn't even watching like I was looking at the game on a phone and I was like, Wow, we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it. I think just because there's so much optimism behind the fact that we were We're four and oh, right? Four no. Four and one. We were on a win streak at that yeah, point. We were, we, we, we were undefeated at that point, I believe, or I had one loss or something like that. Yeah. And this was it was like one of those games where we were like, damn, we're gonna start the first half of the season up like five one. Yeah, it was gonna be yeah, it was just a whole Bunch of optimism ripped right out of your hands. <laughs> and in football, each win is so important. Yes. Basketball. The the thing about this one, why there was so much weight with it, is that it carried almost a get-out-of-jail-free card yeah. for the NCAA tournament. And it felt like Ivan coming back and this team just that couldn't break through, like just ripping that away was was really hard. But... To lose on a 50 or, you know, the Hail Mary, which never happens. It'd be like if Dylan Brooks had made a half-court yeah. shot to win the game. I'd have been like, okay, yeah, maybe comparable. With three defenders draped over him. Yeah. Whereas, like, this was just like he came down and just scored and it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, just hard, hard, tough comparison. Like, it definitely hurt a lot. I mean, I, I needed a couple minutes before I went back and hung out with my friends because yeah. they're both Oregon fans. Um, but after, you know, I sort of was like, well, we were who we thought, who I thought we were, you know, there weren't, any, there wasn't any surprise there. Yeah. Unfortunately for us, Sadly. the surprise would have been us winning, yeah. not us losing. Us losing was expected. Yeah. But the surprise of us losing that, mm-hmm. that way when we were up 16 with about 12 minutes to go. And then we were up, we were up 10 with about four minutes to go. Did we ever get it to 16? I felt like we never got it beyond, like, 12. We got it to 16. Really? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it was really unfortunate in the way it happened. I truly, truly believe it was the first half that dictated us losing in the second. I mean, you can point to the, the ridiculous turnovers, the lack of offense, like offensive execution in, in the last six, seven minutes of the game, but... The continual, like, Oregon's going to find a way to score. So when you're shutting them down in everything they're doing and they're also looking terrible, if you're not taking full advantage of those extra possessions you're getting, which we weren't, we looked like right, we were running the, the, defense, the offense I ran my freshman year of high school where we just passed the ball at the arc back to each other and said, oh, there's not enough time left on the clock, do something. Like, literally, that was shades of yeah. that offense. And... Those wasted possessions. There's like seven wasted possessions where we got no points and made no reasonable effort to score. And that was what I think lost us the games. Like an added basket on the front half makes the back half deficit for Oregon 
that much more unattainable. Yeah. And that was what was so frustrating. It was It was like you could feel it happening while it was happening. And you're like, this, they're going to come back. And we're going to be sitting here thinking, damn, I really wish we had taken advantage of all those extra possessions they gave us. And sure enough, you're in that position. You're like, wow, an extra two points really would have been great. Yeah. And the thing is, we didn't do it at the line, which is where we've done it before. Yeah. Like, giving it away at the line. We actually just didn't execute a decent offense. Like, it's so obvious how badly we missed having Jordan Matthews. And watching that Gonzaga game the day after watching the Oregon game and just seeing Gonzaga, like, Gonzaga kick it out to Jordan and he just puts away a three, I was like, that's it. Like, that's it. And I like, love Mullins to death, but that guy just can't seem to create his shot the same way like that Matthews could actually create a shot. And it's devastating to the offense. Yeah, I mean, the big knock on this team all season long has been spacing. Le- legitimate shooters on their on our team, we only have two, which is Mullins and Jabari. Charlie's streaky. When he's on, he's on, but when he's off, he's he's off cold. Yeah. And he was cold. Exactly. So you take out you take out one of those guys, then then anybody can double Ivan, right? Or you can you can just double Charlie at the top and make sure he can't dribble inside. You can't you can't have that. You need spacing to keep the defense honest. And nor is one of our other big men that much he doesn't uh, drag attention to him on the offensive end. Yeah, you know, Cam or King, either of them, and they I don't draw. Cam attention. played well. Cam played amazing. He yeah. played a great game, but he's still not the guy. Like, let's say we had Marcus Lee, you know, there sitting on the other side, or or like I hate to bring this up, but maybe a guy like Travis or Reed Travis at Stanford. Like, you have that type of guy who can demand attention on the other side of the blocks. You can't send that double team that easily if you don't. If you don't have the shooters, that's the way to keep them off. Is have two guys on the blocks that can't... If they go double-team one guy, this one guy's just right there either for a free dunk or a layup. But they don't demand that attention. So you play it that way and you take one of the shooters out, you're screwed. Because either one, they're going to double-team you and you, you kick out, but that defender's not going to leave Jabari or or Grant. Right. He's going to stick right on him. Or if he's on the other side of the, of the court, you're going to try and throw a cross-court pass and just get picked off. Yeah, you're like, easy transition layup. Like, if you kick it out of the double team, and then it's Mullins who the, is left open, and he's not willing to take a shot with a couple feet of room, then yeah, I mean, someone has to pull, start pulling the trigger. Like that's that's the big thing of that Oregon game at the very last three four minutes, which you already talked about. No one was willing to shoot. No one was willing to just say, you know what, screw it. I'm I'm taking over on offense and just. We nothing was happening in terms of like a team offense, so at that point we just got to run with the Knicks run. Like we need like a Carmelo type guy just to get the ball, put the ball behind your head, and then just drive to the basket. And Charlie's too small. Charlie's too small. To do it. He, we saw him do it earlier in the year. Yeah, like against UCI. Yeah, I remember that game specifically. He was getting in, getting to the line uh, successfully, but then against the Pac-12 teams, I've seen him take it in there and he gets destroyed. Like yeah. every shot he throws up is just blocked. Yeah. So he can't do that because he's just too, he's too tiny. But that's why I was impressed when Charlie in this or- in the Oregon State game, inst- he would drive into the paint and then just do that Steve Nash thing where he just kind of dribbles along the baseline for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then he sees Jabari cutting, so he just bounce passes it to him and Jabari just rises up and throws it down. That's what we need him to do. Like he needs to be that style of player. He, I know how good he is when he gets to the basket, but at the same time, he has to realize he's he's not going to beat a lot of people. Yeah. Like if you go up a guy like Boucher or Bell and you go up at him for for a layup, yeah, no you're getting that swatted. Yeah. Right away out of the air. So. Yeah, I, for me, the turning point of that game is I think you remember this too. We Charlie broke the press all by himself. Mm-hmm. Sees Grant Mullins far side on the left. He Charlie's dribbling down the right. He sees Grant Mullins open. It's about a minute and thirty left in the game. Instead of holding it back and going for that second shot, which probably would have limited their offensive opportunities, he tries to throw up to Mullins, gets it picked off, comes back the other way. Boucher dunks it and one. So. Or was it the Boucher dunk and one, or was it the three? three. Yeah, they, uh, the, th- the foul on the three, right? No foul. 
I think they just came down and hit a three. Three, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. But regardless, you you gave him that swing of three points, I believe. So that and Sam just throwing the ball up in the air. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, is about those two. Those are the most frustrating in the sense that they came late. Yeah, but really the loss came earlier than that for me. No, yeah, and yeah. like you could also like. There was a possession outside the four-minute mark. The four-minute mark was the definition of, like, inefficiency in Cal, like, blowing blowing the game. But there's also, like, a possession that we just, like, once again, ran that ridiculous offense, and then Jabari was, like, did a leaner three that, like, we just looked like we were getting zero good looks. Like, nothing that was, like, oh, that should go in. Every shot we made, we, we took was, like, why That's a prayer. <laughs> even, even when Mullins made it, it was like yeah. a, a leaner and and he yeah, the little runner. Yeah, it yeah. was like uh, okay, that felt like some good fortune. <laughs> and then yeah, I, I don't know. And then we didn't get Rab the ball. We don't nearly run the offense through him as much as we should. We did in and the first half. We kind of, but they don't run an actual pick and roll. No, they don't. And the only reason why I know that is because we play NBA Two K. Yes, and you run pick and roll all the time. And I see, like, you bring the guy up, and then he rolls, he and you decide to throw it to him. Yeah. We bring up Rab up, and then we just, like, pretend that he doesn't isn't there anymore. And it, sometimes he doesn't roll, but, like, there's been times when he's open, and we just don't look that way. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Like, he's, uh, he's limited in our, in our offense, and it's a, such a liability. Yeah. It's a bummer just because... If we had that extra shooter, like let's say we had Jordan Matthews, or if we had just one more shooter on the squad just to balance out the rotation a little bit, which is I guess what we were hoping Domingo would be, that would take that would be so much because there are times we run that small ball lineup with Ivan at the five and Mingo at the four. If if Mingo shot even twenty percent from three, right, that would keep the defense honest and he'd be able to drag that defender out of the paint and then Ivan would have the paint all to himself because you would just run like a four corners offense basically. Yeah. But you can't do that because when you play that lineup, more or less it's Sam, Charlie, Grant, or Jabari, and then, you know, Mingo and, and Rab. You only have one or two shooters in that lineup at any given time. So you can't space the floor enough to get Ivan the touches. Right. Which, that's that's what hurts the most is that Man, this team is just literally one shooter shy of being a pretty good, balanced squad. Because our defense is stout. Yeah. Every game, in and out. But it's, it's our offense that shoots us in the foot because we just can't get the good looks in the, and get enough baskets to keep going against good teams. Because you know good teams are going to find a way to score. Yep. Which we saw against Oregon. Like, I, fe- everyone fe- I felt that at halftime. I was like, we can't let up now. Because Oregon is not ranked a top ten team in the country just for just for the hell of it, right? They're really good, especially on offense. And yet, and yet that happened. So looking forward, what do you think needs to happen in order for us to make the tournament? We need to beat Utah. That's gonna be hard. Yeah, um, but that's the big one in my opinion. This that Utah game is more important than the Colorado game. I think the Colorado game we could lose and it wouldn't be that big a deal. The big thing for me is we need to beat Utah because we need to we need to have a stranglehold on that fourth seed in the Pac-12 tournament. I think for the NCAA, this is just my take. For the NCAA tournament, for the best way for us to make it, I think right now we're still in it, regardless of what happens. Even if we lost? I think if we lose the two games, I think we're still in it. But wow. just because the weaker teams are so weak this year. But I look at this and I go, okay, let's say we win those two and then we win and then we keep hold that fourth seed. We win one game out of that fourth seed and then let's say we lose in the semifinals to an Arizona or UCLA or an Oregon. That that looks better on our resume and we'll probably sneak in into a, a single digit seed. Hmm. I think we can sneak into like a nine or eight seed. Um, but right now as it stands, we're going to be in that tw- 10 to 12. So I look at that and I go, we need the extra day off. We we really do. It's really tough. And then especially if we don't get that first day off and then we lose our first game on Wednesday night, oh, we're so done. We're so, so done. <laughs> I think being in the top four in the Pac-12 standings at the end of the season, I think that's huge. And not letting that go. If so, we drop into five or six, then it's... 
What do we got? Wednesday, Saturday? Or I believe Thursday, so. Sunday? Wednesday, uh, Thursday, Thursday, Saturday? Thursday, Saturday? Yeah. Thursday, Sunday? Uh, I know the first game's on Thursday. I know that. Hmm. I know that much. I can actually look that up. Who comes first? Utah or, or Colorado? <sighs> Let me take a look at my schedule. I have it all settled in here. So Thursday night is at Utah. And Saturday, Saturday at 11 a.m. at hmm. Colorado. I think if we get to 20 wins, we'll be okay. But I still don't really know. I, I honestly think we're going to catch the ire of a lot of some teams that's going to be deserving of being in the tournament, and it's going to be like Cal got in yeah. <laughs> because of them. Yeah. In but, spite of them. Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to happen if, if, if it holds this way. I think we need the, the best-case scenario, we win out these two games because as long as we win these two games, we have the fourth seed. There's no way numerically like we have to – we hold our own destiny in terms of holding on to that fourth fourth place spot. So we keep a hold of that. We go into the pack. We go into Las Vegas next week, and we win one game. I think that just that settles it. Done and dusted. If we end up beating, let's say a, one of the top four seeds after we win our first one, mm-hmm. that then that changes everything. I think then then our seeding starts to rise because then they're going to look at. As much as they say they only look at one year, right? They always look at the coach and they look at like what they've done in the past. You're gonna look at Conzo's teams and they get hot towards the end of the year. And the NCAA selection committee, as much as they say like it's like sixty four or sixty eight teams that are just gonna be good, they're they're looking for teams that are gonna be fun. You know what I mean? Like they want storylines. They want narrative. They want upsets. They want that stuff to happen. So I can definitely see them, like, if they're looking at our team versus, let's say, some a mid-major team, right? Then they're going to look at us and be like, all right, Conzo's had some success in the NCAA. He might make some noise. Who knows? Let's throw him in there. And we get in there. I hope it's... <laughs> I hope it's as qualitative as that. Yeah, I hope it is, <laughs> That too. Quanzo Martin. <laughs> yeah. He's a pretty good coach. But, yeah, that's how it stands right now. I think, yeah, these two games are big. The Utah game much more than the Colorado one. Because hmm. then if we beat Utah and like let's say we lose the Colorado one and then Utah wins, we'll win the head we'll win the head to head. We'll keep that fourth seed. Because we'll we would have done the season sweep of them. Alright. That that's pretty much it. Nothing much more to talk about. Um other than maybe uh I guess uh some basketball recruiting news. Uh French a French center. Named Olivier Saar, rated a four-star international recruit, has apparently us in his last five. Wow! And he officially visited us a couple weeks ago. So this is for 2018. Yep, no, 2017. So he'll be here this coming fall. Oh wow! Yep. We have a spot available. We have a lot of spots available because we have five seniors graduating. Oh wow! Okay. We have Grant. We have uh, Jabari, Sam, Roger, Mingo. Five gone. Uh, we currently have and guard Jamaral Baker. We have uh, Jawan Harris Dyson, Justice Suing, and then we have two spots left. Gotcha. And if Rab bounces, if Rab bounces, that's six. Wow. So Trevin Nell already committed too, but he's he's taking his LDS mission, which means he's reclassifying the 2019, which is why he doesn't take up one of the five right now. Gotcha. So we got two spots. Still in the works. Still in the works. We're apparently going hard after. Uh, a five-star recruit, too. His name's MJ Walker. I believe he's the number one shooting guard in the country from Atlanta. He apparently said in an interview, like, you know, Cal's coming after me hard, too. So, who knows? Maybe we get some late good news like Jalen. I'm fine with that. Happy dandy. We could easily... This is just my, my little side note. We could easily be sporting a lineup for basketball next year just made up of four or five stars. If if everything pans out over the next couple of months, because Marcus Lee will be a five, well, he's a five star, right? And you could easily start him at center or power forward. So I guess the only the only asterisk would be the center position because you would just rotate Cam and King. Gotcha. But everyone behind him, right? Justice Justice Suing is a four star. Jamal Baker's a four star. Charlie was a four star. Jawan Harris Dyson is a four star. If we pull N.J. Walker, he's a five star. If we pull. Uh, Guard Mark Smith from uh, Evansville, he's a four star, right? That your rotation would just be four or five stars from one from the one to four position. 
that's 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 the difference. <laughs> that's the difference. This is baseline talent. Not I'm not then that's not a knock on the guys that we brought in. It's just you just have to know that some guys are just more talented, right? So yeah. I'm yeah. I'm excited for this recruiting cycle too. All right. I think that's it, right? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Are you working on anything this week? Nope. No. Are you you're free as a bird? Just the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all. That's a lot to work on. It's pretty much. It's not. It's not that difficult, right? I mean, it's a lot. I know. I'm, I'm being but sarcastic, it, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Uh, yeah. That was my last basketball piece, and then. Um, Again, yeah, just focusing on the pod and maybe football spring ball or, or yeah. something like that. We'll see once football ramps yeah. back up again. Yeah. How about you? Uh, me right now. I mean, I, I I'll cover game day for Utah and for Colorado, and then of course game day for Pac-12 tournament in two weeks time. But other than that, I'm just I'm excited to play my new Nintendo, which comes out in a couple of days. So. Yeah, I'm excited for that. You'll see me all over Twitter talking about the Nintendo Switch <laughs> right. and Zelda and the One Two Switch. You, which you and I, we will play those mini games and we will post on the internet how we play. All right, because there's ones where it's like a shooting game where it says it tells you to draw and you just pull the controller up and you shoot. Oh, nice! And it measures like how what angle you shot at and how quickly you pulled the trigger. Oh, really? It tells you who lost and won. So. Future man. Yeah. <laughs> you and I were going at it. <laughs> All right. Deal. Deal. Shoot out at the OK Corral. <laughs> right. Well, that wraps it up for us here. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please post on this post or find us on SoundCloud or iTunes and let us know. You can find me on Twitter at Rob11HWNG. You can find Andy at Andy J Beast Mode. You can find all our stuff at CaliforniaGoldenBlocks.com. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.